0: Welcome to the Grace City Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife Brianna are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. I'm gonna to try to get through this message pretty fast because we talked a little bit. Is that okay that we talked a little bit? A little family business, whatever. Uh, we're going to be talking from Acts 2. 42 through 47. I'm going to read it just straight away. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe oh, at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All believers were together and had everything in common. Wouldn't that be crazy? If we had everything in common. They sold the property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they had continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all of the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The title of my message today, if you're taking notes, which I hope you are, is simply Devoted Assembly. Devoted Assembly. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for your word. I pray you would come alive to us today. And maybe as our hearts are heavy or maybe we're not fully understanding everything that just happened, but I pray our our ears will be open to hear the message today and be ready to be changed and transformed from the inside out. Lord, I thank you for every person in this room. I pray you'd anoint their ears to hear, anoint my voice to speak today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Well, I grew up in kind of a, a weird church, a little bit weird. Um, we did some weird things at the church I grew up. How many of you have been a part of a church for more than 10 years in here? Would you raise your hand? Yeah, we got quite a few. How many of you have been a part of church for more than 20 years of your life? Would you raise your hand and wave it at me? Wow, we have some crazy veterans uh, in the house. But I'm sure all of us would have a couple weird stories that happen in and through our life. If you have been a part of church for any time period at all? Uh, you would have seen some weird stuff, but I think in the 90s, like things were just like people were just trying to figure out what to do, you know? Um, they were just trying to figure out, like, what does this look like and what does balance look like? And, you know, should we use flags? Should we not? What does it look like? I don't know. Eric's gonna whip it out next week and just bring out a flag. It's a banner of praise. But, um, I'm not, I have nothing against it, by the way. I don't wanna, I don't wanna divide a line. Anyways, uh, But it was a really weird church in a lot of ways. There was a lot of interesting things that happened as I was growing up that I used to ask my parents, what's going on? But honestly, the weirdest thing that my church did growing up was this thing called a potluck. I don't know if we got anybody in here that likes potlucks, but you got some issues if you like potlucks, okay? You don't know where those people are making that food. Man, you go to their house and it's like, oh, Lord, what is in their sink right now, right? Right? But you show up to a potluck and it's like every single Karen, I mean every single lady in the church, (laughs) I'm sorry, shows up with another kind of casserole. It's like, we don't need a string bean casserole, we don't need a potato casserole, whatever it is, you know what I'm saying? Buttercracker casserole, whatever. (laughs) It was so weird, but I remember the gold mine every time that that lady would walk in with a bucket of KFC chicken. You know what I mean? She'd walk in and you're just hunting for the chicken legs, you know? But it was a weird thing. Like, I think back to it now, and I would never even bring it up as an idea. Hey, let's tell everybody in our church to cook stuff at their house with all their little hands all over it, and then they just come and bring it, and we got to eat it. You know what I'm saying? Like, please, just go to Chipotle and get some catering, and let's just make that happen. You know what I'm saying? But, like, food... Food and church just have kind of always been this thing. It's like a, a great collaboration. Food and church go together. We had food backstage for all of our team that showed up early today. Coffee went along with it. And I'm honestly kind of a foodie. If you spent any time with me, one of the things I'm most passionate about is cooking for people. I love it so much. Uh, it was I was 14 years old when we first got cable in our house, right? I grew up in a pastor's home. My dad was like, we don't need that stuff in our house. And then he got it for sports. And one of the channels that came with our package was the Food Network. And that's what I got into at 14 years old, okay? I started watching the Food Network every single day. Alton Brown is my hero, and I just learned all these different techniques he did and got so inspired to explore this thing. But anytime that we have people at our house, I'm like, what can I be cooking? How can I cook something for somebody? Uh, we had our team at our house this last week, and I'm out there barbecuing some meats just because. You know what I'm saying? One of my favorite people is Eric Hughes. When he comes over, I just keep telling him, go get more, go get more, go get more. Because it's so fun when people are inspired by the food that you're making. See, I don't think it's an accident that God created food to be a thing that gathers people. It's a gathering spot. And it's hardest to see people in unity and gladness together. And that's really what food can do. If appropriately done, it can bring people together in unity and in gladness together and bring a great spirit. The Bible's chocked full of this. Joseph reunited with his brothers and said, let's eat. The story of the prodigal son, he runs back home and his dad's like, let's throw a feast, right? Jesus talking to Zacchaeus says, come down from the tree. I'm going to eat at your house. Uh, Jesus beside the Sea of Galilee with the 5,000 people. And he says, let's figure out a way to feed all these people so they can stay here. And even when we finally arrive in glory with Jesus... What's the first thing we're going to do? We're going to sit around a giant table and eat a feast together. Yes. Right? And you're, I'm sure you're probably like, okay, Alex, please just shut up about the food. Like, stop talking about food. But what I want you to see is there's this great collaboration that happens in the Bible of this rallying point where people come together. And there's this gladness and unity that takes place in the word that we can see and we can learn from. It was a devoted assembly together. In Acts 2.42... It's one of the most significant scriptures in the Bible. It's one of the very first things that the Church of Jesus Christ does. Jesus' great plan unfolding before our very eyes. Jesus came, he made disciples. The disciples, after Jesus' ascension, formed what we call the Church. This is significant. It's the body of Christ being formed, it's taking form. They took a bunch of random people From all different backgrounds, different histories, different testimonies, maybe some of them actually had a real encounter with Jesus, like face-to-face encounter with Jesus. And maybe some of them just heard stories, all of these varying beliefs, now in the same room to become the church. So we see in Acts 2-42 what the beginning of the church should look like. Right, We see it's unfolding. Right, This just happens. You're talking Jesus' ascension. Within a week of that, they're in the upper room. They experience the Holy Spirit for the very first time. And then within a week to a month of that, then all of a sudden, this is written about the believers gathering together in devoted assembly together. Let me say it this way. In the beginning, this is what the church was. The church was not a service. The church was not a building. The church was not a system. The church of Jesus Christ was the people. And you all know this and you've heard this probably your whole lives. But it's kind of eye-opening in the world we live in today to sit in a room like this and say, the church is not about a service. Wait, okay, we all got out of our beds this morning. We came together and wait, the church of Jesus Christ is, is not a service. It's not a building. It's not a system. It's the sons and daughters of God unified by the gospel of Jesus. But then we now need to put legs to this thing. It can't just be free flow like what's going to happen? Who knows? We need to put great mission. We need to put vision. We need to put a system to this thing. And so let me say it this way. The service is a product of the church. The building is a product of the church. And the system is a product of the church. So here we're taking a minute just to simply unfold what it looks like in the beginning stages of the church. I hope I'm not losing you. I know that this is a very simple message, but I want us to come down to the fundamentals of understanding what the church did in the early stages so we can know here in the beginning stages of our church how we can continue to move forward just like the early disciples did. So in Acts 2.42, let's read it again. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So the church of Jesus had just unfolded, and they devoted themselves. It says they devoted themselves. Devoted simply means uh, to very lovingly or very loyal. You're very loving or very loyal. They devoted themselves to the teaching of Jesus Christ. See, the first thing we see is they devoted themselves to this teaching. They devoted themselves to what jesus said when he walked on the earth when he spoke when they wrote down all the things that he was saying when he was teaching they devoted themselves to that what would happen if a church in year 2022 would devote themselves to the teaching of jesus christ what would it look like very loving we know loving as sacrificial love we know loving as jesus on the cross laying down his life for people what if we sacrificed our lives fully surrendered and became loyal to the teachings of Jesus Christ, what would a church look like? Matthew twenty-eight twenty. Jesus said, I'm teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. Jesus taught us all the things we need to know to operate in faith, to operate in righteousness. And we have to be devoted to that. Number two, what we see is we're we have to be devoted to fellowship. Fellowship, it's simply a friendly association with the people who have the same interests, right? So we're talking friendship. We're talking camaraderie. We're talking mission. We're talking calling. Iron sharpens iron and unity. We are called into this fellowship with other believers arm in arm to make a difference together, to not stand alone. How many of you don't want to stand alone in your life but stand arm in arm with other believers where we can say, we're in this together. We're carrying the mission of Jesus Christ. We're devoted to the teaching, and now we're devoted to fellowshipping together and spurring one another on in love. Number three, we see that they're devoted to the breaking of bread. And simply, at first read, I thought this was communion, but really it's actually just simply eating meals together. It's what happened when Jesus fed the 5,000. Their spirits were full. They devoted themselves to the teaching of Jesus, and they had fellowship, and their spirits were full, but yet there was a physical need that Jesus needed to fill, and that's what he did in this moment. So there's a beautiful... Beautiful thing that happens as the rallying point of food. When we get together, we break bread and we share the beauty of life together. It brings this great unity together. And the last one they devoted themselves is to prayer. Matthew 18, 19 through 20. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. Our prayer together matters. When you're with people, we should be praying together, yeah. believing God full of faith. Don't let people leave your house. Don't let people leave when you're hanging out without praying for them and believing for great things in and through their life. It was one of the first time this happened. It was a couple months ago. We invited a couple from our church, Jesus and Anna. Jesus played guitar for the first time today. Yeah. And we've always been people, Brianna and I have always been people that love to pray over people when they're in our house. But it was one of the first time that uh, they, they came over for dinner. I cooked some, some great tacos up and all the things, you know. And then uh, before they were leaving, they stopped and said, can we pray over you guys? And Brianna and I were so taken back in the moment because there's not many people uh, that were bold enough or confident enough in a moment like that to pray over us. It was such an emotional thing. And I remember being so thankful for their love. But can I tell you, there's so much power in prayer. There's so much power when we do it together, when we agree, when any two of us agree, it will happen and it will be done for them. So don't pass up a moment. Be devoted to prayer. Be very loving and loyal to prayer. Speaking to God with other people. That's right. See, our assemblies can't be one-sided. We have to be devoted to this. thing. This can't be a spectatorship. Like church is not a vending machine. Although that would be really awesome if it was. You come, whatever you need, you put your coin in, you get your thing, you whatever, you know what I mean? Like you take out whatever gifts you need, whatever, whatever provision you need, you take it out. But that's not what church is. Church is a devoted assembly of believers coming together. See, I think the thing is, like, you really can be Christian without the assembly. What does the Bible say? Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that he is Lord and you will be saved. You are a believer. But can you continue in the journey without the devoted assembly? I would argue against that and say no. Because we need the other believers around us. We need this great devoted assembly to stand arm in arm and believe what God has called us to do. I mean, the gospel is all about people. Jesus came to die for people. And so when we come together in unity, there's great power with all of us together. So then we see what happens with the devoted assembly. Verse 43, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property possessions to give to anyone in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, I'm not saying that we need to replace our Sunday gatherings with small groups or house churches. I really believe it's both and. See, what we do here on Sunday is so important. It's simply to champion the believers to keep going, to keep pursuing. It's a platform for the preaching of the gospel. It's a public and corporate worship. in our, our gathering really helps to normalize faith for each and every one of us. Not that faith is normal by any means, but it does help us to stabilize our doubt in moments where we're not full of faith. It's a consistent anchor to your week to remind you, inspire you, to support you, to outwork your faith. This is what our gatherings are. And in Hebrews 10, 22 through 25, Paul is speaking to these people who had not been in the habit of meeting together. And he says this, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with a full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled with, to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold on swervingly to the hope we profess for he who promises faithful and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but approaching or encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So you see these people, they found excuses of why they're not gonna be coming to church, whether it was football on the TV back in the day, right? Whether it was friends in town, going on a trip, all these things. I grew up in a house where when we'd go on vacation, we'd always find a church to go to uh, on vacation. So I can honestly tell you that only a couple times in my life have I missed church for anything other than a sickness, right? Uh, When Brianna and I got married, the first time I think I ever missed church for anything other than a sickness was when Brianna and I went on our honeymoon, was the first time that I missed church in my life other than a sickness, right? I have always been faithful in the house of the Lord. This is just the way I was raised. but I remember our first vacation, I'm scrolling on Saturday night looking for a church to go to. And Brianna's like, we're not going to church tomorrow. And I was like, well, yeah, we are. Like, we can't miss church. Come on, baby. Like, we're going. And she was like, no, no, no. Like, we're just, we're chill. We're going to go to the pool. We're going to relax. And it was like, I couldn't figure that out in my head. Because my whole life I had been like, no, you go to church no matter what. Like, go see it. And I still to this day, anytime I go on vacation, I'm like, are you sure? Can we go to, can we go check out this church? It's really, it's really sick what they're, you know. I just love church. I love what we do, and I love what, what happens in a room like this and how people get championed in their faith. But it was a couple of years ago. We took a vacation. It was the first time we're sitting by the pool on a Sunday morning I've ever had in my life sitting by the pool on a Sunday morning. Uh, not that I want to encourage you guys to do that, but, you know, I'm growing and I'm learning and I'm evolving in all of those things. But these people had found so many excuses, and I don't blame them. There is so much going on in each, every one of our lives. If we were to take 10 minutes for each of you, you could fill it with a laundry list of all the things going on in your life. This week, all the things you have to do, the weddings coming up that you gotta be a part of, the kids that are gonna be graduating in a little bit that you gotta help out with, grandkids that you're helping out with. Our laundry list of all the things are wild. So I don't blame the early church for doing this, but Paul very clearly addresses it. He says, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another more and more as you see the day approaching. So I really believe that consistency is an incredible tool to enable growth in your relationship with the Lord, fellowship with others, friendships and discipleship. Consistency. You wanna know why you feel disconnected from church at any point in your life? Check your consistency. You wanna know why your friendships maybe fail or fall? Check your consistency. Are you consistent to grow them? Are you consistent to impart into them? Check your consistency. You want to know why your marriage is on the rocks all the time? Check your consistency. Are you inconsistent with things? Or are you consistently loving and sacrificing and and developing a great relationship? Something Brianna and I have always done is at 5 to 5.30 in there is when we about serve dinner every night. And we always pray before every meal. It's just a part of our household. We will pray. Even if it's a short, sweet Prayer. We will pray something. And another time that we pray with our kids is I always pray over each and every one of our kids every single night. I put my hand on them and I pray the exact same prayer. The prayer I pray. I'll pray it for you guys just so you know. Uh, Dear Jesus, bless Emerson. Give him a good night's sleep. Help him have great dreams. Help him to always have a love for you, a love for your house, a love for your word, a love for prayer, and a love for worship all the days of his life. Every single night. You know what happens when we miss praying for our kids? We're hurry. We're in a rush. We're like, just get in your bed. You're just throwing them in the room like, go, just fall asleep. Like, the kids always find their way back out and they go, you didn't pray for us. You want to know how to be a great parent? Check your consistency. You want to know how to be a devoted follower of Jesus Christ? Check your consistency. Your consistency will enable you to outwork what God has called you to do. Check your consistency. You want to have a great marriage? Check your consistency. You want to flourish in your job, at any place in your life? Check your consistency. When you're consistent to outwork the things that God has called you to, you're going to see development in those things. So if we go back to Acts 2, verse 46, and I'm going to invite the band up as I conclude. I see three quick things from this text that I want to highlight. It says this, every day, every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. I think we can pass by that first, those first two, line, or first two words very quickly, every day. Like, do you see the consistency? Do you see the beauty of that? Every day. The beautiful thing is nowadays we actually have this great amount of technology where every day you can spur one another on in faith. Every day you could FaceTime somebody and do this, and you don't even have to get out of your bed. But every day they continue to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So three quick things I see from this text that I hope we can learn from. I know this is very simple teaching today, but is it okay? Are we are we leaning in? We're getting something out of it, we're developing, we're growing. First thing is this sacrifice. Relationships, healthy relationships, bottom line, come down to sacrifice. It's what true love is. We always say this at Gray City Tampa that we have the attitude of servitude. It's the attitude of laying down your life for the sake of the gospel. We serve people, we serve a church, and we serve our community. We sacrifice for the sake of the gospel. It's a sacrifice to every day participate in this. It's a sacrifice for you to get out of your bed today and drive from wherever you drove. We have people from Lakeland. We have people from St. Pete. We have people from Lutz today. I don't even know where Lutz is half the time. I see the signs. We're still new here. We're figuring it out. You You just nod your head. Yep, Lutz. Love Lutz. It's probably great but it's a sacrifice to do this. But we gotta be willing to sacrifice for the sake of the gospel. Every day they met together. They sacrificed their time, their resources, and we see that through Acts 2, 42 through 47. As they came together, they gave, and they participated, and they joined together. Number two, what I see is gladness. We need to choose gladness. The burdens of this world can weigh us down, but it doesn't mean that we need to put that burden on others. Brianna and I had some friends come over a little while ago, and uh, it was the second time they had come. When they came, they just were vomited all over us. Just all the drama in their life, all the things they're going through. And every The first time they left, we're like, oh, man, it was just a one time. They just need to get it out, and then they came back, and they did the same thing, but even worse. And we just go, yeah, we probably won't invite them over again. Like, I'm gonna lovingly tell this person, like, you know, you need to grow in this area, but we don't wanna be vomited on. When we get together with people, we want to be encouraged and spurred on in our faith. Not that we can't be real. The way I like to put it is this, you can bleed in front of people, but don't bleed on them. You know what I'm saying? We don't need to cover people in our junk and all the things we're going through, but we can show them. And we can say, hey, here's what I'm going through. I need some prayer. I need some some advice. How can I do this? But so often we can just go deeper than that. I just want to encourage us. Can we be a, a church of gladness? Can we come into every environment with gladness, choosing joy? In it? Psalms 32, 11 says this, Rejoice in the Lord and be glad. You righteous, sing all you who are upright in heart. This is what we're meant to do when we gather. Rejoice in the Lord, all you, and be glad. Be glad. Don't bleed on people. You can bleed in front of them. Show them what's happening. Be real. But let's approach every single gathering with gladness with excitement to be together. Are you with me, church? And the last one is this, sincerity. Be you. Be sincere. There's nothing worse than someone acting like they're something that they're not. I had a guy joining our team one time when I was a worship pastor who's coming on to play electric guitar. It was actually Tyler Hansen. No, I'm just kidding. No, it wasn't. And uh, this guy sat in our church cafe and And he was one of those guys, we get together and he just starts like telling me all of the things that he's accomplished in his life, like all the musicians he's played with, and I'm like, I I could care less right now, honestly. And he goes into this one, he's like, yeah, I went on tour with Carrie Joby for a year. (laughs) And I said, You mean Carrie Job? And he's like, yeah, 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 Carrie Job. And I stopped and I'm like, you're telling me you were on tour with someone, you didn't know their name? the reason I'm bringing this up is I remember with him in that moment I told him like we don't need you to be something you're not I don't need you to boost yourself up and pretend to be something that you're not be you what I love is we welcomed that guy onto our team after we walked through that he was weeping at that meeting like so ashamed and so embarrassed and I just told him no you're forgiven 100% we love you like we're all human we all make mistakes I welcomed him on that team and he's still serving and leading a ministry at that church today Isn't that so special? There's no reason for us to fluff ourselves up, make ourselves look better. What did I say at the beginning? Let's have true humility. Let's be sincere, be who you are, be who God called you to be. You don't need to try to be anybody else other than yourself. Be sincere. So we devote ourselves to the teaching of Jesus Christ, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. This is our devoted assembly. And how do we be devoted? Consistency, sacrifice, gladness, sincerity. In conclusion, I want to read Acts 2, 46 through 47 one more time. Every day when they continued to meet together in temple courts, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The Lord added to their number daily. We're building the church. We're building the church that God has called us to build. The church was being built. It doesn't say that they went out shouting on the street corners or evangelizing or doing whatever they could do, like putting cards all over people's cars and like taking over commercials on tv and all this you know what i'm saying it literally just said the lord added to their number daily there's a song we've been singing in church it's, uh, build your church build your church build it from the ground up it's your church and i love the song so much when you actually understand the meaning and what's actually happening it's not god's just doing it god's just doing it go for it god See, what happens, where that that song actually comes from is Matthew 16, 18 through 19. Jesus is talking to Peter, and he says, And I tell you, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosened in heaven. So Jesus isn't saying, Stand by, I'm building my church. Give me the credit, I'm building my church. He says, on this rock, on you, Peter. God is using each and every one of us to build the church. When we come in devoted assembly together, you now are building the church. So when we sing a song, build your church, you better understand that you better be a boulder for the kingdom of God, that you better be a firm foundation for others to stand on. You better have a heart of sincerity. You better have a heart of gladness. You better have a heart of sacrifice. You better be consistent. When we are devoted, we become a rock that God can build His church upon. And it says that God added to their number daily. God added to their number daily because of their consistency, because of their sacrifice, because of their gladness, because of their sincerity. God added to their number daily. We serve a good and a faithful God who is building His church and He's using each and every one of us to do it. Amen would you stand your feet there's a couple things I want to do at the end of this message really fast I promise we're gonna get through this first thing is I just want to give a call for anybody in here who hasn't given their life to Jesus or wants to return to Jesus and this is a holy moment this is a moment in that we never want to pass by, why it reminds us that we have all fallen short of the glory of God and we're all in need of a Savior, but it also creates an opportunity for people to give their life to Jesus, so we're going to do that first, and then I got a couple challenges for you, because I'd love to give you some challenges so we can work on some things, but if you wouldn't mind closing your eyes, and bowing your heads, just for some privacy in this room, and if there's anybody in here, you heard me say that, and you go, yeah, I don't have A real relationship with Jesus or maybe I've walked away and today's the day I want to come back we're gonna give you that opportunity I'm just gonna count to three really simply and at the count of three you're just gonna raise your hand just say yes that's me and this is just the first step this isn't the the end all journey this is the first step of you discovering this great grace relationship life so one know that God loves you so much he sent his one and only son to die on the cross for you and for your sins, that you have been forgiven from all of those things. Two, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. You don't need to wait any longer. This is your moment right here, right now. Three, if that's you, would you just raise your hand? Just wave at me. You want to return to the Lord. Come on, can we celebrate people raising their hands in this place? Can we celebrate people coming back to the Lord? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. The call I want to give our church is simply this. What we do here is important check your consistency this is important what we do when we gather together we publicly praise corporately praise and worship god and get championed in our faith and spurred on towards our calling but also in the midweek with city groups that is absolutely just as if not more important we just ended our city group season but in two weeks We're opening up city groups again. And I want to encourage you, church, come be a part of a city group. Join one. Last session, we had 65% of our church in a small group. People that came on Sundays were in small groups midweek. Isn't that phenomenal? I just want to encourage you, let's do that again. Also, uh, applications are open to lead a group. And so if you have something to say, you feel like the Lord has given you an opportunity to do it, you're living a life that's, it's right and holy according to the word of God and you're ready to lead some people or get some people together for some food or whatever it looks like, some devotions I would encourage you to lead a group you can go on our church center app, the application is right on there, lead a group um, that's my challenge get in community with one another this is the church the church is a devoted assembly of believers coming together laying it all down for the sake of the gospel And making the name of Jesus famous. Is that all right? So, can I pray over you? If you'd just raise your hands, maybe just one more time. I know that I've asked you to do it a lot. Lord, you see every single person in this room. You see every heart. You see every journey. You see every past, every testimony in this room. And Lord, right now, I pray that you will give us the fervency and the passion to continue in this devoted assembly. God, that we would join together and understand the power of what it looks like to be devoted to your teachings to be devoted in fellowship lord to be devoted in breaking of bread and to be devoted to prayer let us be a great devoted assembly that we would make a difference in this world lord that what your word says is you will add to your church daily so build your church establish your church on this world in jesus mighty name let's sing together thank you for listening to the Grace city tampa podcast Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.